1: The wind up at his first offering
2: just a bit outside there's a drive in a deep left field by castellanos it will be
0: a home run oh my God. deep to right field way
1: up there oh my.
0: and look who's coming up you talk about a roll of the dice this is it okay
3: play
2: ball. what's going on everybody welcome in to payoff pitch Yes, payoff pitch is back. We are presented by BetMGM, Action Network's MLB betting podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Glasheen, joined by Action Network's beloved baseball editor, Colin Woodchurch, and Action Network's baseball betting expert, Sean Zarillo. Gents, hi. How you
4: doing? Back in the saddle. It's great to talk to you again, Brendan. You know, I, I, I'm a, I'm a rarity on the podcast uh, nowadays, but I I couldn't resist. I had to throw my weight a little bit to get on this first podcast, you know, as editor and say, I have to be on this first podcast because I'm so freaking excited about baseball being back.
2: Zarello, good to see you out of your baseball bunker. Hosted my first article
3: today, uh, MLB Team Futures, Team Projections. You can compare my projections to what I consider an average of all the other public projections out there and then a composite projection I create from that. So starting to roll out our futures content, going to talk about some of those Items today, and then we'll have uh, player futures, regular season stat leaders, player awards, Cy Young MVP, etc., coming out later this week.
2: Yeah, I threw a curveball to start. I know our audio production team doesn't like pleasantries, but give me a break. It's the first one, so uh, gotta shake the cobwebs off. Spring training underway. There are games happening as we speak here on the podcast. We will break the seal on the 2024 MLB season with our off-season update episode. Last year the two of you got together and broke down rule changes because that was the theme going into the 2023 season. Zarrillo said it. Brand new article over at Action Network, actionnetwork.com, dropped this morning. Predictions for the season. Extensive breakdown, division by division, AL, NL, the whole bit. Uh, Episodes, again, will be available uh, as we uh, near opening day with tons of content. Episodes on each division, favorite player props, and everything you need. Uh, Prior to those first few games, which get started March 20th and March 21st in South Korea when the Dodgers and the Padres meet. So with that, let's start in the National League. Some quick thoughts. Zarrillo, what comes to mind first when you think National League from a betting perspective?
3: So I thought the separation between the Braves and the Dodgers and everybody else at playoff time last year was substantial. And I think it's only grown over the off season. Both teams sort of invested in pitchers that they thought would give them a higher ceiling come playoff time. If they could manage them and get them through the season, healthy guys like Tyler last now. Um, so, you know, James Paxton, like guys who traditionally are very effective when they're on the mound, but keeping them on the mound is the issue. So, look for those teams to handle those pitchers with care throughout the season and try to maximize the talent that they have on their rosters at the end but you know we we constantly see every year there's one maybe two teams that have a win total higher than 100 and Colin can talk about the history of teams with the highest win total the league teams with the highest you know or teams with win totals over 100 and how they tend to perform which is not well but uh I project the Dodgers for 102.5 wins I project the Raised for 102.2 wins. I think the Dodgers are the better starting pitching. More upside in their starting pitching. I think Yamamoto is immediately the second best pitcher in the National League. Behind Spencer Strider. The Braves offense to me has a chance to be even better than it was last year. And that's terrifying. Um, Michael Harris, Austin Riley were superstars in the second half. Not stars, superstars. And I think Riley has a chance to take a real step forward this year. A lot of his metrics from last year sort of remind me of Matt Olsen's metrics in 2022, heading into 2023 when we bet him for home run leader and RBI leader. So I think Austin Riley is sitting on a huge year. I think Michael Harris is sitting on a monster year. Uh, These teams are just better than the National League to me. And I think you can probably safely pick one of them at the start of the season with a World Series future. The Braves were about plus 250 come playoff time last year. You can get as high as plus 650 right now. And even looking you know, at my projection market, you see this in the article I talk about it in the article, the most conservative projection on the Braves to win the World Series right now is about 16%. That's still plus 510 implied. So you can get plus 650 out there. And I really think the fair odds should be closer to like plus 400 or plus 350.
2: Okay. Yeah, hard to not start with the Braves Dodgers. And we should also make mention, we won't get into the particulars because we could probably spend a whole podcast on this. There are notable free agents still out there, yeah. including... Padre, former Padre right now, Blake Snell, who is doing his it's kind of like an NBA thing with these cryptic like comments and likes on Instagram with his former teammates. So that's happening with Blake Snell. Jordan Montgomery is still out there. J.D. Martinez, familiar with the Dodgers, of course. And Matt Chapman is also. Those, those are guys that are out there, still free agents. And, and those could make an impact on everything. When totals, a p- potential middle of the lineup bat like Martinez uh, that could change things. So, want to get that out there. We're recording with those four names still looming in MLB free agency. So, and just from like a you know
3: an overview perspective, right? No. There's value on teams like the Orioles to miss the playoffs or the Cubs to miss the playoffs, but those are the teams most likely to go out and sign Jordan Montgomery or sign Matt Chapman. Sure. So, there's bets that you could make right now that reflect value in the math right now, but you also have to factor in moves the teams might make and how they're going to approach the rest of regular or the preseason and you know acquisitions they may make once the season starts so even though like the ma- the math may say a certain thing right now you still have to analyze you know moving pieces that may happen
2: good points matt chapman started his career with the oakland A's. We mentioned martinez was a dodger and with that zarillo teased at colin whit church an off seasons uh an off season here for major league baseball coming in that we, we need to understand some of the extremes the dodgers aforementioned dodgers and those Oakland days who were feisty at points last year.
4: Yeah, I think it uh, more than anything, it's probably uh, a example of of how MLB operates nowadays with teams tanking and, and they're just being such extremes between teams that are going for it and teams that are not. Have a couple articles going live on Action Network later this afternoon, this is Monday. On the win totals, particularly of those two ends of the extreme, the Dodgers and the Athletics, I found it fascinating using the database at Sports Odds History. The Athletics are going to go into this season with the lowest preseason win total since at least 1990. That's how far back their database goes. If you look at uh, several different sports books, their win total ranges between 56 and a half and 58 and a half. The lowest win total in MLB since 1990 currently is 58 from the 1993 Miami Marlins or Florida Marlins. I guess at the time you may be familiar with the fact that 1993 was the first season in the existence of the Florida Marlins. (laughs) There are um, nine other teams, nine teams in that database that have win totals below 60 and a half, including last year's athletics, including last year's nationals. Again, the athletics win total, you see it. I believe at MGM right now, it is 57 and a half. So at that number, it is still the lowest in history. Interestingly enough, of those nine teams listed with 60 and a half win totals or lower. They went six and three to the over the teams that went under their win totals. The 2019 Orioles win total of 58 and a half. They won 54 games. Mm-hmm. The 2013 Astros win total of 59 and a half, won 51 and Last year's athletics, win total of 59 and a half, 150 games. However, it has been more profitable to bet the over in these situations. On the flip side, we've already talked about the Dodgers a little bit. They are currently 103 and a half at BetMGM. I think there are some books out there listing them at 104 and a half. 104 and a half would put them in a tie for the highest win total during that same time frame, 1990 to present. The 1999 New York Yankees had a win total of 104.5. You may recall that is the year after they won the World Series and had arguably the greatest season in MLB history. I think they're probably on the short list. If you were to put together a list of the greatest teams in MLB history, the 98 Yankees are on that list. So the next year, their win total was set at 104.5. They won 98 games, cashed the under. I've got six teams on this list with preseason win totals of 100 or more. Every single one of them went under their win total, except the 2021 Los Angeles Dodgers. Just three years ago, the Dodgers had a win total of 102.5, won 106 games. My favorite fun fact about this, that Dodgers team didn't even win its division. Mm -hmm. They finished a game behind the Giants, who won 107 games. But the 99 Yankees, 05 Yankees, the 96 Cleveland and the Braves and the 2006 Yankees all had preseason win totals of 100 or higher and went under their win total. That's a very long-winded explanation here, but what I'm getting at is with these two opposite ends of the extremes, you probably want to bet in the other direction, and I think that's what I like, and I know that's what Sean likes. Betting the over on Oakland is disgusting. Betting the under on the Dodgers is terrifying, but that's what history says to do. That's what the projection systems say to do. And we've been mentioning Sean's piece a lot. We're probably going to do it again. It's basically your yearly baseball betting Bible. It says to do that as well. So that's what I'm going to do.
3: Yeah. So, you know, I'll just these were the last two win totals I added today uh, before the article was published, but uh, I'll just explain the math behind it. Look around the projection market for the Oakland A's. 63, 64, 64 64.4, 70 point three from Fangra's playoff odds. Disagree with that. But regardless, average out the other three. 64 wins, you're still seven wins shy of their listed win total. There's a number as low as 55 and a half out there on Oakland. I think you have to bet that there's the largest gap between public projections and the A's compared to any other team. Now I should say that was the case last year too. There was a five and a half win gap between those same public projections and the A's last year, their total last year was 59 and a half. The composite projection was six through 3.8. Everybody said to bet the over. Obviously, they only won 50 games, and I believe their Pythag was 49. So it's a bit of an odd year to handicap the A's. Colin was talking about expansion teams being the teams with the lowest win totals. The A's are kind of like a pre-expansion team this year. since They're going to be moving to Vegas next year. There's going to be nobody in the park. It's going to be a very depressing season in Oakland. But if this team starts winning, imagine if the A's go 500 in April. Oh, boy, would that get exciting. When people start coming to the park, FanGraphs actually wrote an article. It's a fun article. Uh, I believe there's like a, you know, 0.1% chance right in their math that the A's make the playoffs. And they wrote this like fairy tale article about how that would happen. All the things that would need to happen to get it there. Uh, and it was just this this beautiful story. But I mean, the math just points to an obvious over here. And then the same is true for the Dodgers. Highest projected win total for the Dodgers 101.4 from Dakota. The others, Davenport at 100, Fangraff's playoff odds at 94, Fangraff's zips at 93. So I'm at 102.5. I'm only slightly down on the Dodgers, but using my composite projection, using that public projection, there's certainly justifiable actionability on that under. But that total sitting as high as 104 and a half. I think you have to bet it that high. I probably wouldn't go below 104, but yeah, those numbers seem a touch high. Like I said, I projected the Dodgers and the Braves closer to 102 wins
2: the market is moving uh seeing a lot of 103 and a halfs now some 103s on the Dodgers so that under smoke is coming in it's hard to do uh I would imagine with Otani and Glasnow and Yamamoto and not to mention the other arms they have in that rotation with Miller for example uh they they've done an unbelievable job uh of loading up that team which yeah they have, have kids in see. the
3: minors, too like they're they're phenomenally loaded
2: but like I said they're gonna they're gonna Put the kid
3: gloves on. You know, if Otani's yeah. feeling a little soreness, they're going to shut him down. Obviously, he's not pitching this year, but rehabbing from an injury, they're going to take extreme
4: care with Otani and Yamamoto and Glasnow. Like, especially if they're cruising toward a division title. But what's interesting about the Dodgers this year compared to years past is I don't think they quite have that prospect depth they have. There was once upon a time where they were getting projected to win 100 games or more. And they were also sporting a top five farm system. I don't think they have a top five farm system anymore. They have some really good names in the arms. You know, they're going to we're going to see the likes of Michael Grove, Gavin Stone. I know some prospect outlets are really high on River Ryan uh, as a potential rotation piece. But they are they have some fragility in that rotation behind, you know, Yamamoto You know, we've seen Glassnow's injury issues. We've seen James Paxton's injury issues. Bobby Miller, obviously, everyone's really high on kind of stealth under the radar Cy Young candidate, but he's got to prove it. I mean, Sheehan's got to prove it. What what are we going to get? When are we going to see the likes of Walker Bueller, Tony Gonsolin, you know, Clayton Kershaw, we haven't even mentioned. It doesn't end. Um, There is a wealth of talent there, but there is also a wealth of risk. If there's any organization you're going to trust, to plow through that and still find success, it's the Dodgers. That's why they're the favorites, and that's why they should be the favorites. But there is still some uncertainty there and some risk there with the names of the players they are going to be relying on, especially in that rotation. Yeah, and their goal is just to get to the postseason healthy. So, yes.
3: you know, they're,
2: they're shut, the right, shut they're somebody the right. down for an
3: extra few weeks just to make sure they're playing in October. That's their strategy.
2: They're in they the, right used city. the
3: IL. They've done it in the past. That Major League Baseball had to change the IL rules because they were putting so many pitchers on the IL when it was 7 days. They had to change it because of the Dodgers. They're in
2: the right city for load management. I won't name yeah. names <laughs> or name teams. Um also thought this was uh interesting to know going back to last year eight teams uh as far as total runs finished over 54% to the over. Uh, as far as a, a hit rate in the Dodgers and the Oakland A's were both uh in that mix as far as teams that were uh, favorable to the over for, for different reasons. Um yes, the, the A's was- had a
3: uh, a five like five point two expected fit. That's one of the highest I've seen for a season. Uh that should be a little bit better this season, I would hope. Uh, but they actually they did sign guys who are major league caliber arts, you know, Alex Wood, Ross Stripling. Stripling was not good last year, but they're not banking on like these fringe AAA guys who they think maybe could be a major league pitcher. They have, they played like to a 59 win, whatever their win total is, 57, 59 wins. They played roughly to that pace in the second half. Zach Geloff is a dude. Like they they brought up guys who are actual major league players
4: now, but yeah, it's not. Geloff is stars. a dude. That dude, Zach a dude. He's, he's legitimate. He's going to be their all-star this year. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the Kyle Muller and the uh, Shintaro Fujinami experiments are gone. Um, you know, Paul Blackburn's kind of a, a late round fantasy guy for some folks out there. J.P. Sears has shown some some signs of being able to miss bats. Uh, Wood and Stripling are competent veterans. Stripling, I think, is the highest paid player on that roster at, I believe, 9.25 million or something like that uh, is his contract for this year. They're... Their Payroll is projected to be about 32 million dollars less than the 29th ranked payroll in baseball, which is the Pirates. I think, uh, their projected payroll on Sport track right now is 44 million for this season, it was 65 million last year. So, uh, John Fisher just, uh, I think they said, uh, Ace fans, are their their protest this year for opening day is that they're going to hold a giant party and uh, tailgate the home opener, but not go in the ballpark. So they're all just going to be in the parking lot tailgating and having a big party, but not uh, buying tickets or giving John Fisher any of their well-earned money. That
2: should have a secondary stream uh, for sure. I would
4: imagine Stripling
2: is going, his name will come up July 30th when the trade deadline uh, occurs this year. uh, If indeed he has value at the trade deadline for possible contenders. All right. So there's your outlook of the the extremes, the the, the great team in the Dodgers and the lowly A's. But based on what Zarillo said in his analysis, I'm already prepared for the first or second Friday of payoff pitch. And Zarillo says he sees value in the Oakland A's at plus three hundred, whoever they're I don't even know who they're playing on like a Friday yeah. night. And it's coming. Cause you you tinted at it. You said, imagine there are five hundred midway through April at the end of April. Um
3: Oh, it's not going to be fun, but hey, Mason Miller, you know, I trust Mason Miller to lock down a lead at the end of the game. Uh, we have no more AJ Puck blowing those one nothing leads for us with the A's at the end of the game. I mean, I know that was a couple of years ago at this point, but man, AJ Puck uh, probably has set a record for blown saves on bets I've made in a like very short window of time. The, uh, and it, I think Action Network Slack and probably agree on that.
4: Maybe the most hated pitcher in Action Network Slack. You can't trust Iowans. That's all that means. Yeah.
2: All right, let's go to the American League, fellas. Uh, We'll make our way through. That's enough Dodgers talk. We're going to talk about them all year. And the A's, probably. I can already see Charlie Disterco making an A's bet on a Friday at some point this summer. Um, We'll see how that goes for him. This podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $158 in bonus bets when you bet $5. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
1: are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare care provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new health care regimen, including EE system.
2: Team that's been talked about quite a bit uh, leading into the season, they made a splash adding Corbin Burns to their rotation. The Baltimore Orioles... Win total uh, is now at 89.5 most places. Zarillo, you spent a lot of time discussing the Orioles in your article uh, with several ways to potentially bet them. You see value on the Orioles in a variety of facets.
3: I do. Uh, and the Kyle Bradish injury in spring training, I mean, there's a chance Bradish misses the entire season, and he had the best slider in baseball last season. So he's great. He's a guy that we were on early. In terms of analyzing him like from the first start he came up we were all about kyle bradish and bet him very consistently and enjoyed the breakout last season but there's a chance with this ucl injury that he's done and because of that the orioles may still go out and sign blake snell or george montgomery there's a chance they have a new owner after getting the new owner they immediately traded for corbin burns i don't know if that was coincidental or something that was already in the works uh, i did bring up on green dot daily this owner is a guy who's known for like buying companies and downsizing them and cutting costs which is a bit concerning but maybe he's just been you know saving up uh, all that capital to invest in the baseball team that he eventually bought uh you know in terms of the math and how the orioles overachieved last season because they did overachieve they were plus seven in terms of pythagorean win differential they were i believe plus 14 in one run games if you flip the result of every one run game they finished with 87 wins Their bullpen will not be as good this year as it was last year. Will not have Felix Bautista. Enjoy the Craig Kimbrell experience. Um, So yes, I bet the Orioles under. I like it still to about 90 and a half. If you look around the projection market, 90, 85, 86.7, 84.1. I'm at 88.1. So I'm comfortable with a 90 and a half. I bet under 91 and a half. And this is, there are several things that, several ways that you can find value betting in spring trading. One of them is math projections. Number two is shopping for the best available number and finding a number that's off market. Number three is paying attention to news. Now, the Orioles kind of fit all three categories the Orioles under, because there was already mathematical value on the under the Bradish and John means and Gunnar Henderson injury news broke on the first day of spring training and ESPN bet. I'm sorry. I don't know if I'm allowed to mention specific books. There was a specific book that had an Orioles under 91 and a half when everybody else was already at 91 or 90 and a half. And when everybody else moved down to 89 and a half 90 after the injury news broke, that book still stayed at 91 and a half. So I wouldn't pick that off. Um, so, you know, reacting to the news, reacting to the math, finding the best number in the market, I'll tip off another bet here that is based off of news. It's a player prop for this season. Happy to give this out now because it's buried in this podcast. And if you're listening to this point, I know you're a dedicated listener and I appreciate it. Kyle Tucker is going to hit cleanup for the Astros this season. New manager, new lineup, new approach. Jordan's going to the two hole. Regman's staying third. Kyle Tucker is moving up from fifth to fourth. Kyle Tucker to lead the league in RBIs this season to 28-1 to is a phenomenal bet. It was already a good bet based on the math when he was hitting fifth. It's an even better bet now that he's hitting fourth and Jordan is hitting second. He's going to have so many RB opportunities this year with the guys sitting in front of him and him moving up a spot. So pay attention to news in spring training, especially to the teams that have new managers, teams who may use players differently than they have in the past, and then also injury news and reacting to that. But yeah, uh, like I said, the math, right, projections, finding the best number, outlier numbers, and then also reacting to news. I think those are the best ways to take advantage of that's in spring training, so, you know, all of that said, right, I bet the Orioles under, I wouldn't bet them to miss the playoffs right now. There's a chance they go out and sign Jordan Montgomery at any moment, and, you know, I sort of bring their projection back up in line with where the market is, or, or closer to it anyway. So, uh, value at that 91.5 would not play it past
2: 90.5. Colin, feel free to weigh in on the Orioles, but uh, them, or is there another team or teams that capture your attention In the American League, your American League outlook for 2024.
4: Yeah, touching base on the Orioles a little bit. I agree with Sean about the value. That is not a team I am keen on betting in the preseason because there are so many variables that are potentially going to push them ahead as the season goes on. Mm We talked about the Dodgers recently and how they had such a deep farm system when they were already a competitive team. Well, the Orioles have the best farm system in baseball right now, and they have a lot of major league ready talent ready to step in and go should injuries arise throughout the season. Jackson Holliday is the consensus number one prospect in baseball. They have guys like Kobe Mayo, Heston Kierstead, Colton Kauser, Enrique Bradfield Jr., all ready to step in in case of injury. Now, the one position that they don't necessarily have a ton of prospect depth in, though, is starting pitching, which is where you see the risks come in with the likes of a Kyle Bradish injury. They do have, you know, Cade Povich, Chase McDermott are probably their two most highly rated Major League ready arms. They can come in. They're kind of low ceiling guys, but they can come in and get the job done, especially uh, when you consider the the volatility of their back end rotation arms like Tyler Wells and Cole Irvin, uh, guys who can help raise the the floor of the Orioles. I really, I, I think they're, you know, Sean says this going into every year. I, I hear a lot of smart baseball analysts say this, you don't need 26 guys to get through 162 game season. you need 40 guys to get through 162 game season. I think if you were looking at the top 5, 10, 15 players on any roster, the Orioles might not rank as highly, but if you're going one through 40, the Orioles are probably the best organization in baseball entering this season. I'm not saying this is not an argument to bet the over on their win total. This is just saying that their ceiling is so incredibly high compared to so many other teams. I think that they are in the process of becoming perennial contenders. We saw this happen when the Astros jumped into contention you know, we just talked about them. They were on the list of the lowest win totals in the last, 35 years you know in a decade ago and now they've they've been to the alcs seven straight years we're about to see the orioles take that kind of leap the leap that we've seen the rays go through with their deep farm system the astros i just mentioned the dodgers they just have so much talent and they have transformed that player development uh department uh so drastically that I just don't see a scenario where they fully bottom out. Yeah. I'm really excited about looking you know, ahead at this team and, and seeing them regularly compete in October because they have so many fun players. Again, this is not disagreeing with Zerillo's value, his math-based value on the under. It's just how I see the Orioles going forward given, given the depth in that system. Pivoting a little bit, you asked me what AL team intrigues me more than any. It is the Minnesota Twins. I think Sean's going to weigh in. This is a little bit of a disagreement with Sean as well. Um, I won't I give away the his the world pick. Appears. What's that? I'm I i, I I'm talking division though. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, It's not often that you see a minus money uh, future be recommended, especially in these parts. But I just think there is insane value in the Minnesota Twins to win the AL Central minus 125 at BetMGM right now. I don't see a feasible scenario where this team doesn't win the division. It's range of outcomes on a couple of different projection systems varies. you know Pakoda gives them a 69 chance of winning the al Central, which is very high. Vangrass is more bearish down at 53.2%. I tend to side more with Pakoda's line of thinking. The Guardians are always frisky. they're always going to be around that 500 team, but we could see them every year there's the potential of you know, are they going to trade Shane Bieber? Are they gonna bottom out? They never add uh much, any off season. There's a lot of hype around the Tigers kind of breaking through. The Tigers have done, um, as a White Sox fan, I can speak really uh intimately about this, building up a potential solid young core. And then instead of going out and supplementing it with high M free agents, uh adding on the margins with guys like Geo Ursula, um so that's they, what changed the Tigers... their,
2: they changed their broadcaster, too, uh, in division. Uh, mm.
4: I don't want to talk about that. Um...
2: <laughs> <laughs> that was the best free agent
3: acquisition. You can't, of the you can't trust honestly. Syracuse
4: alums is another thing I've learned uh, this winter.
2: I hope so. Quick aside, Jason Benetti is now the voice of the Tigers. He was with the White Sox, his hometown team. Benetti, there's a clip. I forget what college basketball game it was. He was making a reference to a coach. Might have been Ed Cooley going from Providence to Georgetown, and he made a line like, "Imagine leaving your hometown school and going to an art tribal. Who would do such a thing?" It was just, it was so good.
4: And you know, the White Sox did him dirty. I I think he was good to leave because that organization (laughs) colin going down this rabbit hole. So fucking shitty. Uh, Anyway, anyway. Sorry. Thank you, Brendan. Not sorry. Uh, (laughs) I I. I do not have a lot of faith in the Tigers making the ascent that many think they're going to make the Royals and white Sox are obviously worst team in the league contenders. So I just, I think the twins have such a deep lineup. I think they've got the top end starting pitching with Pablo Lopez, absolute AL Cy Young candidate. Uh, Joe Ryan has shown what kind of ceiling he has. There's just, we, we talk about the two centrals. They're the two worst divisions in baseball, right? The NL central, I think you could see a scenario. You could concoct a scenario for four of the five teams to potentially win the division. The AL central, I don't think you can do that. I think that there are people out there who could who could come up with scenarios for the Guardians or Tigers to potentially win that division. I think Sean might do that right after I'm done talking. I don't see a scenario where the Twins aren't at least in it in the final two weeks of the season Perfect. and i think that there is a very good scenario where we enter the final month and they're up by double digit games so minus 125 i think i think that this should be like minus 250 for them to win the division i'm betting them minus 125 i love them for the pennant i love them for the world series i'll let sean talk on that more but the twins are the team in terms of the full season futures that i'm all over this year in the american league Actually, the, the point I disagreed with most
3: about your central analysis was that the Royals are a contender for one of the worst teams in the league. I think the Royals are going to finish out of the Tigers this year. The Royals added as many marginal free agents as the Tigers did, and they actually really solidified the back end of their roster. Um, that bullpen is much better than it was last year. Waka and Lugo, to me, is like as much of an addition as the Tigers adding Flaherty and Maeda. I'll take Lugo over Maeda. I'll take walk over Flaherty. So... I think Bobby Witt's an MVP candidate. Uh, I think the Tigers still have some major holes, especially at the bottom of their lineup. And the depth is horrible. Like if the Tigers lose Torkelson, they're not going to score runs if they lose Torkelson. So granted, first baseman don't get us hurt as much as other positions. But no, I actually do not like the Tigers this year. I would bet the under on the Tigers. My projection, the public projection, both recommends the under on the Tigers. Their win range is 75 to 79. And you can get under 80 and a half. Bet the Tigers to not go 500 this year. I think that's a solid bet. Uh, I think if you can parlay the Royals and the Tigers, to both miss the playoffs. I tried like 11 different books to parlay playoff odds together, miss the playoffs, or make the playoff odds together, you know, trying to get an even money parlay. I couldn't do it anywhere. If you're able to parlay those two teams together to miss the playoffs, not that it's correlated, but I think that's a fine even money bet. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm low on the central divisions as we typically are. Um, that said, and you know, I think there is a scenario where the guardians can win this division, I think there is value on them at four to one. I think a lot of it comes down to either them overachieving or the twins injury issues, just cropping up. They're trying to play Buxton in center field this year. I think that's a mistake. He always gets hurt when he plays in the field. Um, like he's going to probably end up DHing at some point. Um, He even gets hurt when he doesn't play the field. Yeah, he gets hurt running the bases. (laughs) Uh, He also wasn't even that good last year. Um, That said, like Royce Lewis, huge injury risk. Uh, Pablo Lopez, until two years ago, was getting injured every season. Their bullpen is really deep. They actually have a ton of electric arms. Uh, Matt Canarino, who is like excelling in spring training, he's going to be a guy who pops for them. So I I like the build that the Twins have, but also they're unwilling to spend money like at all. Uh, they they literally said they're cutting costs this season. Um, they, you know, they made some trades for their bullpen. They made some marginal additions, but their biggest addition was Carlos Santana, who's probably going to get pushed out by Brooks Lee. They're going to end up moving Julian to first base and Brooks Lee is going to be in their infield. Um, so I think there is injury risk to all their star players. That said, the twins, I think are, like Colin said, a pretty safe team to be there at the end even if they're not winning the division, winning the wild card, whatever, I think there's value on the Twins to win the World Series. They finally got over the hump last year, the mental hurdle of winning their first playoff series in 20 plus years. The market projections out there right now have them at at low of 3.6%, which is 27 to 1. The highest projection is from Pakota, who has them at 15 to 1 to win the World Series. You can get Minnesota as high as 45 to 1 right now. That's a great bet for a team who has star talent and a good bullpen or, and pitchers they can convert to their bullpen at the end of the year. Uh, I just, I don't know what they're adding in season. So it's, that's like the disappointing part where the likeliest addition in season is Brooks Lee from their minor leagues, um, you know, or David Festa, like an arm from their AAA team. Like it's not, they're not going to go out and acquire some superstar at the deadline or some impactful player at the deadline. So that's the only thing that like makes me skeptical about investing too much. And a team like the twins though win a championship at this point. But yeah, the, the mathematical value is certainly there. And they were a team we were betting on consistently in the postseason last year because of their pitching and the quality of their pitching. So uh, the, the American League to me is, is just so much more wide open than the National League. The National League, I think it's Raves Daughters. That's it. Uh, the AL, I don't know. I, I could really see like seven or eight different teams making the World Series from the AL. Colin, I'm sure you feel similarly too. Like there's, The AL is really wide open. I I could legitimately see one, two, three, four, like seven, eight teams from the AL winning the pennant.
4: Yeah, well, if we've learned anything in the last three or four years, it's that Zerillo having this nice long shot future on the Twins to win the World Series pretty much guarantees the Twins are going to make it to the World Series and then lose. Or lose in the (laughs) ALCS, yeah. Yeah, they've, they've guaranteed a win in the divisional round for sure. Yes, But no, I I 100% agree. I think that's the most apt way to put these two leagues. The NL is Dodgers and Braves versus everyone. The AL is completely wide open. I mean, four of the five AL East teams, I think you could see winning the World Series or making it to the World Series with apologies to Brendan's Red Sox. The Twins, 100%. You could make a case for the Guardians like Sean just did. And in the West, you've got the Astros. You've got the defending World Series champions right there in the Rangers. And and there are people who can make an argument for the Mariners, although they've had about as frustrating of an offseason as any fan base could have, with the way they've uh, kind of tempered their their go for it mentality. Their pitching is so, yeah. so deep, though. Their pitching is, is so so deep. Yeah, I mean Logan Gilbert and George Kirby are both uh, are both potential frontline starters, um, guys who could take a, a huge leap to superstardom this year. Julio Rodriguez is a. Uh, MVP candidate. We've had several writers here at Action Network I already recommend him for MVP. I believe he's at 12 to one right now. So, yes, it's, uh, the, it's the Julio Rodriguez and Bobby Wood era. Everybody it's, enjoy. It's a very vague
2: episode, folks. We're diving into a lot here. I just want to throw a quick other notes from Zarillo's write up. He recommends a pass on the reigning NL champs. The Arizona Diamondbacks and their win total does see value in an under- on the Rangers win total, as well as the Rangers to miss the playoffs. But you did mention come July and August, there might be some value to jump in on the Rangers. To yeah, possibly... Scherzer, DeGrom, Tyler Molly, all going to come back at some
3: point, probably. Um, and they won their World Series. Like they're going to play it safe now. They're going to try to get to the playoffs and keep those guys healthy and have like the best pitching come playoff time. Um, Justin Verlander also late to start throwing. This offseason, and he was no. dealing with injury issues last year. I think the Astros are vulnerable. I think the Rangers are vulnerable. There really is a path for the Mariners to just have the pitching depth to just have a high floor and carry them through the season. And they're going to have a starting and pitching advantage in almost every game they play. So uh, I think the Mariners are the most interesting team in that division. If you're looking for somebody to upset it. I don't know if the mass support's betting it, but Seattle's interesting to me. I just, like Colin said, I wish they had done a little bit more. Like, go get one more hitter. Then I'm interested.
2: Before we get into our favorite early bets for the 2024 MLB season, we're bringing you five excellent minutes with Action Network MLB contributor Jim Turvey, here to tell you his favorite futures for this season.
4: You know, you got your OBPS and all that and the VORPs, and then interface those numbers with TWTW under that category. Yeah, what is that? That's the will to win. Those are the things that are not put in numbers in
5: Moneyball. Thanks, guys. Yeah, here are my three favorite plays for the 2024 MLB season. So first off, I'm really high on the Rays. I like them in a lot of different markets. Uh, my favorite way to play them, though, is yes, to make the playoffs plus 130. You can shop this around. Uh, you can find that a couple different books. But honestly, almost any number you find out there that I've seen right now, um, I'm going to be liking as a play. Anything plus money is going to be a play for me. So rays have breezed over the wind total in seasons past. Um, this this iteration of the rays has shown an ability to beat the projection systems and the Vegas win totals year after year. Um, they've hit it six out of their last seven years for the wind total. They've obviously been on a postseason run to keep making the postseason, despite you know each season it looks like that that AL East is stacked. And where do they where are they going to fit in the AL East? They keep coming up uh, on on the on the bright side of things in, in Tampa there. Uh, this is a team that won 99 games last season, kind of quietly. You know, the the Orioles were kind of the story of the AL East, but the Rays were by most by most of the advanced stats, most of the you know base runs, win totals, but Pythagorean things of that sort. They were the best team in the division, actually. Now the Yankees reloaded in the in the offseason. The Orioles have a new owner who looks aggressive, but the Rays, you know, they they lose players, but we've seen time and time again. This is not, you know, some teams lose players and that's a bigger deal than others. You know, we always talk about wins above replacement. It's a big, big baseball stat, but the the R there, the replacement isn't always the same. The Rays have incredible system depth. They have an incredible ability to go out and find guys who can replace those outgoing players. So, you know, Tyler Glasnow, Manuel Margot are probably the the key names leaving in free agency. Uh, Wanda Franco obviously is not going to be playing for them for the foreseeable future. Those are very big names for sure. But there is incredible depth on this team. They brought in, in the offseason, a lot of high-floor players I think are going to really float them well until they get some of their kind of high-ceiling guys, Springs, Rasmussen, Boz, back into the rotation as they get to the playoff push. So at getting this at a plus number, I really love that. Um, my second one, we're, we're going to go to the other side of the ledger, some of the the worst teams in the league. Uh, I like the A's to win more games than the Rockies. You can get that head-to-head matchup plus 155 in favor of the A's at DraftKings. Uh, I I also really like the the Rockies for the worst record overall, but I like hyper targeting this these two teams because I'm actually a little bit higher on the A's as a whole, and I'm definitely very low on the Rockies. Um, the A's I just see as a better team right now. So getting this at plus 155, I think is a great number. Uh, if you look at some of the best projection systems out there right now, Ariel Cohen's projections of fan have the A's six wins higher than the Rockies. Uh, Pakoda has them seven wins higher. Uh, here's here's the the Rockies current rotation. They have Kyle Freeland. He of the 5.30 FIP that was third worst in all of baseball uh, among pitchers with at least 150 innings last season. He's the ace, the the ace of of the, the team. Uh, they brought in behind him a couple of guys who are just contact heavy, non-strikeout guys, uh, Cal Quantrill, Dakota Hudson. To me, those guys are about the last people you would want to bring in to Colorado where pitching to contact is going to do more damage to you than anywhere else. Um, management there has... Finally started to make some moves, which theoretically would you know could be like, oh, are they are they going to you know be looking to do something? No, they're they're finally they sat on their hands for almost half a decade, just not even making trades. They're finally making some trades. That to me tells me they're actually be sending some people out this season, potentially finally starting to realize the writings on the wall and they got to just tear this thing down. Uh, for the A's, they have, they've got some young talent there uh, at the top of the lineup. I actually really like the top of their lineup a little bit. And Mason Miller is their closer, is a guy who I'm I'm keeping an eye on for some some markets all around. But I think he's going to help them win some of those close games that they weren't able to, to win last season. I think they'll be markedly better than they were last season when they were historically bad. So being able to get them at a plus number against the Rockies straight up, I really like that. Uh, And just finally, uh, this is kind of a unique market, but you can bet one NL team, NL West team to make the postseason. So what I mean by that is they'll offer the number of teams in a division to make the postseason. So you can bet exactly one, exactly two, exactly three, exactly four. I like exactly one team to make the NL West uh, to make the playoffs at plus 300. This is mostly because of that number. Uh, There are a couple of teams in that division who will be on the playoff periphery, the Diamondbacks most notably, uh, but also the Giants and the Padres to a lesser degree. Um, I'll start with those two teams, the Giants in particular a team that I'm really low on this season. I'm going to be looking to fade them in their, in terms of their win total, in terms of make miss playoffs. The Padres intrigue me a little bit more. Um, They were kind of the inverse of the Orioles and that they had one of the unluckiest seasons uh, that I have ever seen a, a team have, but I think part of that was the bad juju around this team. Uh, it already looks like maybe they're in teardown mode for Preller. They have moved from, you know, being in that you know gung ho, go for it, sell everything to get to get the stars to maybe now we're we're doing the flip side of that. We're starting to, you know, take the foot off the gas payroll wise and and be looking at a you know the next iteration of Padres what that could look like. The Diamondbacks are obviously a team that's probably going to to threaten this bet the most. Again, at the plus three hundred, it doesn't have to even hit fifty percent of the time. Doesn't even have to hit forty percent of the time. Even thirty percent. Um, so the, the but the Diamondbacks, you know, they're coming off of that crazy run last year. It's a young team. I could see some of that sophomore slump from a guy like Corbin Carroll. Um, I just think that the the extended run they made in the postseason makes this number kind of tempting to me in a division where the dodgers are are a clear lock they're obviously gonna make it but you have to have one team that's a clear lock someone's going from from the division anyways so getting that at uh plus 300 i really like that uh kind of exact division bet there so those are my three favorite futures for the mlb season uh that's all from me so back to you guys okay quickly before we go colin Whitchurch, uh because
2: look we get it you tune into a podcast like this is there anything actionable Well, yeah, you pluck from the article Zerillo wrote, which I would suggest if you're on a PC or your computer to bookmark it and have that available to you or screenshot whatever you need into your phone. Uh, Colin Wichert, you've got a few bets that you would like to give out today.
4: Yeah, first of all, shout out Jim Turvey. That dude's a psycho. He is logging the most obscure MLB futures all day, every day. And he's got great value behind him. So uh, shout out, Jim. Nice endorsement,
2: calling him a psycho. It's good.
4: (laughs) It's psycho in the best possible way. I've got to give out my favorite player prop future right now, because I don't know how often you guys are going to let me come in here and, and spew my nonsense uh, over the next month. But CJ Abrams, most stolen bases in the majors 13 to one is a bet. I'm absolutely obsessed with this year. I'm all in on CJ Abrams. People forget former global top 10 prospect came over to Washington in the Juan Soto deal. And I absolutely love this stat came from our uh, Cespedes Family Barbecue on Twitter via Will Harris. Uh, He finished with 47 stolen bases last year. He had 11 stolen bases through 78 games. On July 7th, he moved to the leadoff spot for good for the rest of the season. And from that date through the end of the regular season, he had 36 stolen bases. Ronald Acuna Jr. had 32 during that same time frame. Corbin Carroll had 30. C.J. Abrams was the most prolific base stealer in baseball last year. From the date he moved to the leadoff spot through the end of the regular season. He was also only caught four times all season. He was 47 of 51 in stolen bases. He's hitting more. And what do they have to lose? Like just let him run. Exactly. He's (laughs) hitting more, which was always the key to him becoming a productive major leaguer. You look at his full season stats last year. They're not going to blow you away. His exit velos are insane. His second half last year, he really turned into a full complete hitter. Uh, His Home to first time was, I think, 11th in the majors last year. It was 0.14 seconds slower than Corbin Carroll's, which led the league. Um, I got him a couple weeks ago at 16-1 lead the league in stolen bases. I think that obviously you're going to look at guys like Acuna, like Carroll, like uh, Estiuri Ruiz are going to have those lower odds. But Abrams should be right up there with them. He's going to have the green light in Washington. He's 100% their best player, their leadoff hitter. Gonna have plenty of opportunities to steal bases. We saw in the second half of last year that he can do it, so he has a ton of value to lead the league in stolen bases this year.
2: All right, and Zarello, I think the article takes care of business for you of what uh, what you suggest to bet now or hold off on.
3: Yeah, I mean, I just didn't mention the Rays and the you know the Brewers on the pod, but those are the two teams I think are most undervalued right now. They're sort of mirrors of one another. You know, I've I've said this in other places, but they they do not rebuild; they reload. They constantly trade for future value. They look to go 500 at worst and then the seasons where they're better they're going to win their division and win 90 plus games. So the Ray I mean I laid out the map for the Rays I think they're consistently the most underprojected team the past five years uh the composite projection of all the public projections has been about nine wins below their actual final record. So I, I think Rays teams who have a lot of depth teams like the Orioles uh I think they're just a bit more difficult to project you know I didn't comment on on it but the the thing that Colin mentioned with the Orioles and their depth I agree they have a ton of depth I don't think the depth fits well because it's so imbalanced towards their hitting you know you can replace pieces but you can't play casting curse and Couser and Santander and Mountcastle and Kobe Mayo all at the same time you could replace one of them if they get hurt but I think they need to consolidate and trade for pitching at some point the Reds need to do that too The Reds have too many infielders. They need to consolidate trade for pitching. I think the Orioles need to consolidate some of their hitching or hitting trade for pitching. So there's going to be moves. I think there's going to be a flurry of moves, potentially even before opening day. We still have those marquee free agents. But I think once the season starts, there's just a lot of teams whose rosters are not optimized. And I think we may get there at some point.
2: Okay. And I would add one last note. If you are new to the baseball betting world, strongly encourage you to go back. It's right around a year Today, last year, when you both did the discussion on the new rule changes, mm. and I know you noted this a few times, Arillo, during the season, in your uh, in your opening pitch articles, uh, basically your slate previews for each day, uh, and we will have more previews coming: division previews, league previews, player props, etc. But with the new rule changes, mentioning depth is important. Managing guys, heavier pitchers that might get banged up, how they keep rotations crisp and tight. Uh, And guys that have to be managed because especially pitchers who wear down because of the new rules. I think that's I I
3: want to mention two more things. Number one, my hot take or my my prediction is that steals go up more this year. The success rates were phenomenal. I think teams press on the gas even more. Number two, when you're analyzing players who played in the minor leagues in recent seasons, triple A, double A. Yeah. Keep in mind that the automated ball strike system is implemented. So some of these walk, walk rate and strikeout rates for these hitters in the minor leagues, even for the pitchers in the minor leagues, they're skewed to a degree by getting automatic ball strike calls uh, that, you know, the major league hitters finally or may finally get uh, introduced to next season, I would hope. But uh, yeah, there's there is some wonky like projection data using minor league stats because of the automated ball strike calls.
2: Good stuff. All right, fellas. We're going to have plenty to get to as the spring nears. For Colin Whitchurch, our Action Network baseball editor, Sean Zarillo, Action Network baseball contributor. Find both of those guys in the app. Again, bookmark Zarillo's article over at Action Network, actionnetwork.com, a full breakdown with predictions as well as uh, projections for the 2024 baseball season. I'm your host, Brendan Glashine. Thanks for tuning in to the first episode of 2024 of Payoff Pitch, Action Network's MLB betting podcast presented by BetMGM. Talk to you all again real
0: soon.
1: Look at his crowd on its feet. What a tribute. No one wants to leave.
0: Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly.